Thanks for listening to the ODI podcast, covering inspiring stories of data use and impacts around the world. This is one in a series of podcasts about standards as part of our research and development program. I'm Anna Scott, and today I'm joined by Tim Davies, co-founder of Open Data Services. Hi, Tim. Uh, Hi, Anna. So if you could start just by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your organisation. Yes, so uh, my name's Tim Davies. I've been researching open data and its impacts for about 10 years. But three years ago, a group of us came together and founded Open Data Services Cooperative as a workers' co-op aiming to provide sustainable support for open data standards because these things are infrastructure. Standards are key infrastructure uh, for open data success. You don't build those things quickly. You don't move on from them quickly like projects. So we were looking at a sustainable business model to sustainably support sustainable standards. Do you want to quickly say what a co-op is? Yes, a workers' cooperative is a model of owning and running a business. Uh, So we have no external shareholders. We're owned by the workers. Uh, Everyone has an equal share in the business. And the model we've chosen to run, and there are many different models, um, but is collective management. So everyone who's part of the team makes decisions together. There's no uh, management hierarchy and a, a flat structure as well. So whilst we're doing very different things from technical development to outreach policy work, design, uh, we're all paid equally and aim to provide a good place to work for people. Again, recognising that tech startups can sometimes burn people out quite quickly and we don't want to do that. We want to have something that's a good place to work, doing good in the world. Could you tell us about the standards you've been involved with developing or supporting? Yes, so the standards we work on have a particular focus. They're usually about policy, transparency and uh, supporting collaboration in in social change settings. So a couple that we work on, open contracting data standard that's all around public procurement, transparency around the world and transparency of all forms of contracting. Uh, We work on the 360 giving data standard that's uh, mainly used by philanthropists in the UK and funders to share information on what they're funding and and be able to better see and understand and collaborate and and plan their funding together. We work uh, supporting uh, the International Aid Transparency Initiative, which is that scaled up to the global aid world. And then we've also supported a number of other initiatives. One that we're uh, developing in partnership with many of those standards communities is is called orgid.guide, which goes to the specifics of identifying organisations, because all those standards are about funding and collaboration and processes with organisations. So there's a little micro standard within those of how do we identify them, and that's another piece we're working on. Do you think that policy-driven standards are adopted in different ways to those driven by sort of regulation or markets or government, for example? Very much so, yes. So every standard has its own political economy around it. It has its own set of drivers, its own community, its own objectives and and success criteria. In the policy case, a standard is often doing two things. It's saying, what's the data we've got and how can we share it and make it interoperable between a community of users? But it's also saying, what should data be like? What do we need to know? What more should we be sharing in order that citizens or partners or other users can complete the kind of tasks they want to. So that makes the design process one, not just of trying to represent data as it is, but also to imagine what it could be and think very carefully together with data producers, data users and intermediaries about the kind of data infrastructure we can create and want to create, and then to sequence the the political incentives and the technical help to, to enable us to get there. 
And do you think those two things are being sort of sequenced at the moment? So it's still something we're learning about and, and finding ways to do. But yes, I think in, in many cases it is. So taking the open contracting data standard, for example, that's around four or five years old from the, the earliest idea. And, and, and one of the key things we had to do first was build a implementable standard, create something by looking at data supply, looking at data demand, melding those two together to something that's achievable, that governments can, can implement. But with that there, we could then work in partnership with the Open Contracting Partnership, with people at the World Bank, with others who advocate for these standards and advocate for the higher level goal of contract transparency. And they've secured government commitments through the Open Government Partnership, through the UK Anti-Corruption Summit that happened in, in 2016, to, to get, get many governments to sign up and say they are going to implement these standards. What we then work on is is the guidance resources, not just the technical schema, but what are all the materials that need to go around that, the support to help people implement, uh, and constantly iterate on those so that as people make progress, that's celebrated, that helps create policy momentum, but also that progress is seen as a step on a journey, not the end point that we tick the box, we've got the standard, we're done, but rather, as we've seen in a number of countries, now we've standardised our data, we can see some of the problems with our data and we can identify the reforms needed to data collection upstream and the changes needing to the tools we've got to analyse that that all help serve the ultimate policy goal of better public contracting, better transparency, better accountability. So it is a a web of these things um, coming together and, and in our recent work with the ODI one of the key things that emerged from that is the idea of uh, patterns uh, uh, and jigsaw puzzle pieces that are put together for different standards in different ways rather than a one-size-fits-all. So what are the different ways in which you found useful or necessary in engaging with people to develop or adopt a standard? So one of the key things when developing a standard is recognising you're bringing together very different communities with very different ways of communicating, norms and cultures. So in the 360 Giving Data Standard, for example, we've got a number of different community spaces. So we, we have an issue tracker. We need to log and track every suggestion for change through a very software development process so that everything can be traced back. So in three years' time, when someone asks us why are we using this kind of date rather than that one, we've got a, a trail we can go back to in that institutional memory. But most people in philanthropy are not going to engage with GitHub. So there's a, an online forum that the 360 Giving team have created, more Rubenstein's put together, to, to have a more forum-based discussion which captures a, a wider community of people who are used to discussing things online. And that gets discussion of the goals, not necessarily the technical implementation. Um, but that on its own, again, is, is not enough because some people don't talk online. So then there's a, a steering group, working groups, face-to-face -face meetings, workshops, a lot of printing things out on little bits of paper, getting around a table and exploring them with people so that this is made tactile, tangible and, and engaging. And so the challenge of standard development is putting all of that together, saying we need to make sure the voices of data owners, data users and technologists who can see how those things fit together are all in the mix and that we've got good governance and good processes around that. Would you say the goals for the standards are expressed in the same way across all of these different forums? I suppose I'm asking whether the people who are more likely to be engaged via workshops, for example, mm. need to be engaged in a slightly different way than those who are more technical. Yes, so, so 
in different forms, in different spaces, we need to engage people on different levels. So we've drawn a lot on ideas of user-centred design to help us with that. So we make a lot of use of user stories, for example, of saying, who are our users? Who are the people, both producers and, and consumers of data, who, who we need to focus on? And then what are their detailed kind of requirements? So, you know, as a grant maker, I want to see what my fellow grant makers are funding so that I can make more intelligent decisions. And those statements become really important bridge points that we can use to connect the technical community who can read that and say, well, what fields of data am I going to need? And maybe the intermediary community who can say, well, what tools are we going to have to build? And then the user who can say, well, if I can't do that thing, this isn't going to be valuable to me. Or if I can achieve that, that statement, that user story, then I can have some quite transformative impacts and that helps us make the policy commitments to put those pieces together. It strikes me that you've got quite a, a rare and holistic view of standards in general, having worked on quite a few. Do you see any kind of trends emerging in terms of uptake or development? I think we're seeing a real growth in engagement with standardisation and that's really positive. I think some of that's coming from a fairly narrow technical idea that this is all about just making some data interoperable. And so in our work, we think much more about the projects we're working on as supporting mass collaboration. And I think that helps us bring in a much wider range of actors, a much wider range of approaches than than maybe technical standardisation on its own does. And so... In the open government world, I think there is a a trend to uh, be thinking about standards. The challenge ahead is to make sure that uh, stays rooted in the broad agenda of open government that is participation, transparency, collaboration enabled by technology and doesn't become purely a a technology-driven thing. I think what's been key to our our work is bringing together in that cooperative structure a really interdisciplinary team that's often about creative tensions. We need to, if we don't get the technology right, none of that other stuff works. So we have to make the technology solid and rigorous and, 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 and my colleagues in our, our developer team play an absolutely fundamental role in making sure the stuff works. Um, but then we've brought in other people with, with skills in, in community engagement, backgrounds in, in, in um, community work to, to, to make sure we're not just focusing on one part, but we are, as you say, being holistic. Mm-hmm. So finally, you've mentioned a few of the benefits of, of standards already, so things like collaboration between different types of actors, uh, more transparency, and then even spotting gaps in data or errors in data. Are there any other benefits that you've seen already emerging from standards, and which ones in particular? Yes, so I think... There's a big benefit of just having access to to interoperable data. So in grant making, um, looking at GrantNav, the platform that brings together data from the 360 standard, I've been using that locally to try and understand what funding's coming into my local area. And that, that, that in itself is really empowering. We're seeing organizations who previously would have spent money on building their own grants data system saying, well, we can published to a common standard and share that. So there's some real benefits in terms of just efficiency of software reuse and and people investing in then common open source tools rather than lots of uh, proprietary systems on their their own websites. Um, The 
the other benefit that I see uh, as really interesting is the standards as, as spaces to share best practice. So uh, when we were developing the open contracting data standard, we started getting some comments on GitHub from a team uh, based in Ukraine. Uh, and uh, in a few weeks' time, we'll be working with them uh, and their colleagues in London where they've drawn on that standard to give them a head start in building out whole new e-procurement systems that, that have been used in, in Ukraine and other countries to, to have uh, multi-million dollar kind of savings on their uh, procurement. So that idea that a standard both works for those policy communities and users but also for the technical community is a great way to just share learning, get a head start, embed that open source ethos in the in the uh, data world as much as in the, the development world. Okay. Well, Tim Davies, thank you very much. Thank you ever so much, too. Thanks for listening to the ODI podcast, covering inspiring stories of data use and impacts around the world. This is one in a series of podcasts about standards as part of our research and development programme.